Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Yesterday, it was reported in the Wall Street Journal that J.P. Morgan Chase was going to pay $920 million to settle a market manipulation investigation. Department of Justice, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and the Securities and Exchange Commission were all involved in an investigation in the manipulation of precious metals and treasury markets. These market manipulations are tied to a practice called spoofing. Spoofers typically send large orders to futures exchanges intended to change the appearance of supply and demand. If prices move in response, the spoofers may succeed in their goal, getting a smaller order filled. They then cancel the larger order as quickly as possible. The law was changed in 2010, and it forbids the practice of sending misleading orders that traders don't intend to have executed. The problem with spoof orders is that it leaves the counterparties with a loss on the cancelled orders. The practice, which is illegal, is alleged to have occurred hundreds of thousands of times. The Commodity Futures Trading Commission provides oversight over the commodities markets for precious metals. And not only did J.P. Morgan Chase pay a fine, they also admitted to misconduct. Three traders, two of whom still work for Chase, and a third who left the bank in 2009, were charged criminally in the case. And these charges were filed in Chicago Federal Court about a week ago. In addition to spoofing and other federal crimes, the indictment charged all three men with racketeering, a claim that's more typically found in cases against organized crime entities. And while the government has been active in outlawing the practice in commodities trading, the practice is still believed to be widespread and largely unmonitored in the market for federal treasury bills. The Commodity Futures Trading Commission found that from 2008 through 2016, J.P. Morgan, through numerous traders on its precious metals desk, and its treasuries trading desks place hundreds of thousands of orders to buy or sell gold, silver, platinum, palladium, treasury notes, and treasury bond futures contracts with the intent to cancel those orders prior to execution. And during one period in question on October 15, 2014, the U.S. Treasury market experienced a flash crash, which saw the 10-year treasury rate fall 34 basis points over a 10-minute period, from 2.2% to 1.86%, a 52-week low, before rebounding by the end of the day. Treasury futures volume reached 1.6 million trades, an all-time record, having only broken the 800,000 trades-a-day barrier three times before in history. The Futures Trading Commission found that in February 2015, intrafirm self-trades in one Treasury future contract that it studied were almost 10% of all trades in that contract. In some days, it was 15% while in other days it only averaged around 5%. And it's suspected that most of those trades had no true counterparty, and therefore they were phantom trades that were never executed. A similar flash crash occurred in equity markets in 2010. It was attributed by the CFTC to manipulative trading by a single trader on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Spoofing is closely linked to a form of market manipulation that we experience all the time. It's rooted in a psychological concept called anchoring. Anchoring sets an arbitrary expectation by drawing an imaginary line in the sand. If you go to the department store, at least one of those ones is not bankrupt, and you buy an Armani suit, you might find it on sale for, say, $1,300, marked down from $2,000. It's a bargain at $1,300, so you decide to buy it. But wait a minute, who said it was $2,000? Was $2,000 real, or was it a fabrication designed to manipulate the consumer? Would the buyer truly pay $1,300 for that same suit if they thought the true retail price was $1,200, or $1,300, or 
How often do we see manipulation even in real estate markets? Have you ever seen multiple offers for the same property? One or two of those offers are substantially below the asking price, and then one offer comes in at a more reasonable but still low number. The seller starts to get conditioned to the idea that their asking price is too high and feels compelled to take notice of the lower offers as being representative of what the market will bear. Acting out of fear, they accept the reasonable offer. The same buyer, of course, was behind all the offers, and they simply wanted to condition the seller to make sure that their third offer was accepted. One thing that causes these manipulations to be effective is another human emotion called FOMO, or fear of missing out. FOMO, combined with anchoring, is at the root of most market manipulations. Property managers sometimes schedule multiple tenant appointments at a vacant apartment for the same time. And if some of the prospective tenants are not real tenants, they can create a false perception of high market demand for the apartment. The property manager might say, there's a lot of people interested in this apartment. You should apply in the next hour if you have a hope of getting the apartment. You can start to spot these manipulations all over the place with just a bit of training. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.